0: I'm Tracy Sable tonight on a special edition of EWTN News Nightly, Stepping Up. A preview of the 51st annual March for Life in the nation's capital. We hear from the march's president on the role faith and the Holy Spirit play in the pro-life movement. It's elementary. Former NFL tight end Benjamin Watson tells us what he wants to hear from the 2024 GOP presidential hopefuls. Plus, love and loss. A follow-up to the story about a couple who went to term with conjoined twins with a fatal condition. These stories and more tonight.
1: From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly.
0: Thank you for being with us on a special edition of EWTN News Nightly featuring a preview of Friday's March for Life in the nation's capital. We are just days from the 51st annual March for Life in the nation's capital. The theme for the January 19th event is With Every Woman for Every Child. The March for Life is known as the world's largest annual human rights demonstration drawing tens of thousands of people each year. The event takes place every January on or near the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion nationwide. In June 2022, the Supreme Court issued another landmark decision, this time stating that the Constitution of the United States does not confer a right to abortion in the case Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, a ruling that ultimately overturned Roe versus Wade. Despite the overturning of Roe versus Wade, pro-life advocates like Jeannie Mancini say work still needs to be done to make abortion unthinkable. The March for Life president recently sat down with Prudence Robertson, host of EWTN's Pro-Life Weekly, and explained while there are still changes that we need to make in our society, we should trust the Holy Spirit and turn to the church knowing God has already won.
2: Well, let me say that I'm uh, paraphrasing one of my wonderful professors from the um, pontifical John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family, Dr. Joseph Atkinson, um, a former Anglican priest who converted to Catholicism, and he would remind us Constantly, that the Holy Spirit gives whatever she, the Holy Spirit gives to the church whatever she needs for a particular time period. And what I would say is that for the March, and also just for the broader pro-life movement right now, we're in this strange moment of this overturn of Roe, which has been incredible. But then, really, we've gotten blasted by the other side. We've lost some serious ballot serious ballot initiatives and. We're we're getting pummeled in some ways legislatively, and so it's so important in a moment of darkness to be able to, of course, turn to Holy Mother Church, but also just to trust that, first of all, God has won this battle, and we know that, but to ask for inspiration and help and strength um, for what we need for this particular moment, and so the Holy Spirit gives to the church whatever she needs for a particular moment, including this very special moment.
0: Here to talk more about her interview with March for Life president Jeannie Mancini and more he is Prudence Robertson, host of EWTN's Pro-Life Weekly. Prudence, so good to be with you. Uh, we just saw a quick clip of your interview with Jeannie Mancini, which will run in full on Pro-Life Weekly later this week.
3: What else did she say to you that really stood out? Tracy, thanks for having me. Jeannie talked about the theme of the March for Life this year, which is with every woman and for every child. I think it's a perfect theme because really over the past two years, since the overturn of Roe and the beginning of the Dobbs era, the pro-life movement has proven that that's exactly what we do. We walk alongside women who make that courageous choice to save the life of their baby. And that shows in the numbers. A report just came out that shows that pro-life pregnancy centers helped 16 million clients, both in person and through virtual visits. And about $350 million were poured into the lives of these women and their children as they begin their families. So it really shows the depth of our movement, the broadness of what we do, and the compassion and the love that we're sharing with the world in this post-Roe era. Yeah, And this is the second year of uh, the March for Life since Roe was overturned. Uh, but as we know, the fight for life continues. Yes, that's right. And there's a couple of important points here. You know, abortion is top of mind for a lot of people. This issue continues to trend in the media, in the thoughts of the American people across the country throughout elections, um, and even at the Supreme Court. You know, For a couple of months there, for about a year, the court shied away from considering anything having to do with abortion after they overturned Roe. But now they've agreed to take up two pretty high profile cases. One of them could have really significant implications in that they could potentially stop uh, mail order abortions happening with uh, women being sent dangerous chemical abortion pills by mail. So there's that front we we have to continue to track. Um, While we're winning in the court's Tracy, though, in the culture, we still have a lot of ground to gain. You know, we have these ballot proposals that have been popping up in the states, really, you know, scaling back that win of overturning Roe by initiating fast-tracking dangerous radical pro-abortion policies. So we have to fight that political front as well. We have about a minute or so left. But yeah. quickly, I mean, you're going to be covering March for Life again for EWTN News. Uh, What can we expect, and what are you looking forward to? Well, I always love covering this great event alongside you, Tracy, and we have some other fantastic anchors who are going to be joining us, Montse Alvarado, Catherine Hadro, and of course our EWTN correspondence team is going to be on the ground providing, you know, Every angle of the coverage of the march, I'm excited to hear from the speakers. Uh, The movement needs marching orders right now. You know, there's a lot of strategies kind of circulating about what comes next for protecting life, making abortion unthinkable. And we need to hear that rallying cry. So I'm excited to be invigorated to continue to fight for life and do the important work that we do together, Tracy. It's an exciting day. Can't wait for it. Prince, thank you so much. Always appreciate having you on. Thank you. See you
0: soon. Well, it is another star-studded list of speakers for Friday's March for Life, among them a former NFL football player who has spent years in the pro-life movement. Benjamin Watson spent more than a dozen seasons in the NFL. He is also an author, public speaker, husband and father of seven children. He recently spoke out about the 2024 election and what he wants to hear from Republican candidates when it comes to helping the unborns. Benjamin Watson joins us now. He spent 15 seasons in the NFL. He also is the author of the book, New Fight for Life, Row Race, and a Pro-Life Commitment to Justice. Benjamin, great to have you back on. Good to see you. Uh, so tell us, why did you write the piece for Town Hall? I mean, What did you hear or not hear in the first two GOP debates that led you to do this?
4: Well, we're in a very uh, precarious time, I would say, in a post-Roe world. Look, We all celebrated Roe being overturned, and rightly so. And now, uh, with the upcoming election and the debates, I think it's imperative that the pro-life movement, that pro-lifers understand the urgency of now. And what we want to hear, what I want to hear from the candidates, is an unswerving uh, support for life. Uh, much has been made of a 15-week ban or a six-week ban. And the fact remains that while 15-week bans are, are better than nothing— of abortions occur within the first 13 weeks of pregnancy. So even if that's the talking point for the GOP or any other candidate that's running, they're still missing the majority of abortions. The reason why I wrote, the reason why I talk about this is that we as a pro-life movement need to be pushing our leaders, our our pro-life leaders, to not compromise on the issue of life. We shouldn't be haggling over how many lives, how many children we are willing to sacrifice.
0: Yeah. And you praise Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie uh, for some of their pro-life remarks. Uh, Tell us, you know, what you liked about what they had to say.
4: Well, just the fact that they were first willing to address it, willing to be um, adamant about their stance for life, willing to express the fact that, you know, the goal here is to eliminate abortion. Look, We want to make abortion unthinkable, but also unnecessary. And so uh, also I'll mention this, Tracy, when it comes to the issue of abortion, and especially politically, um, 76 percent of abortion-determined women said they would prefer to parent if their circumstances were different. And so part of this conversation is asking these candidates, look, what are we going to do to support women? How are we going to make sure they have proper housing, proper health care, proper education, the things that they need? Because these are the reasons that so many women say they want to abort their child.
0: Yeah, and you also say that pro-lifers need to stop, quote, negotiating with Mm -hmm. abortionist uh, terms. Explain to us what you mean by that.
4: Well, I think the the negotiating kind of goes back to what I said about the 15-week ban. Um, We live in a constitutional republic. There's going to be give and take. We know that. We understand that. But we shouldn't be using their terminology. We shouldn't be accepting the fact that it's okay to murder and to kill certain children, but not other children, I truly believe in human dignity and the fact that no matter your location, no matter your stage of development, no matter your race or your sex, every person has value. That should be what we are are upholding and what we are pushing, not trying to compromise and settle on where it's okay for us to allow some image bearers, those who have human dignity, to have their lives terminated.
0: All right, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. God bless you.
4: Thank you, too.
0: And we have a lot more still to come on this special edition of EWTN News Nightly, including other options. Meet the writer and preacher who knows the pro-life movement is truly a matter of life and death. According to research from the Guttmacher Institute, about 511,000 abortions were performed in the U.S. in the first six months of 2023. That is up by about 46,000 compared to the same period in 2020. But those figures aren't just numbers. They are human beings, babies who were not given the opportunity of life. That's something that hits close to home to Jess Ford, a writer and preacher whose mother almost aborted him until, by the grace of God, she had a change of heart. And joining us now is Jess Ford to tell us more about his incredible story. Jess, so good to be with you. Tell us more About what your mom, what she was going through during that time when she was pregnant with you, her circumstances, and when she found out she was pregnant, you know what led her to consider abortion.
1: Right. Well, um, my mom was was very young when she found out she was pregnant. Uh, She was still living at home, and totally financially dependent on her parents. She grew up in a in a a Christian home, um, and that those those values that that she brought with her um, into that, that season to where she found she was, she was pregnant. Um, basically, that, that led to a lot of confusion and indecision in her pregnancy uh, decision. You know, she, she didn't know uh, what to do initially, but her, her and her boyfriend got together, and just because of their financial circumstances, despite their Christian upbringing, they chose to have an abortion. Um, and so they they together went, drove to the abortion clinic, sat down uh, in the waiting room. Um, her boyfriend wrote the check for the abortion as she was called into the back uh, to have the the abortion procedure explained to her um, and as a nurse was was explaining you know what was what an abortion actually entailed they, they explained the suction method and and what happens during a surgical abortion um, she began to cry. And she cried so hard that she hyperventilated, and she passed out in that operating room. Um, And she woke up with nurses fanning her, so confused. And as she regained consciousness, um, she she looked at that nurse, and the nurse looked at her and, and said, Amy, you're too emotionally distraught to have this abortion today. You can come back another day, but today isn't your day. And so uh, my, they, they walked out of that with with still the written check in hand, uh, but never never actually handed it over to the abortion clinic.
0: Yeah, and saved your life. And I know that when you learned about all of this, it really changed your life, but at first not really in a positive way. And you even contemplated taking your own life. Tell us about that, Jess.
1: Yes, um, it's true. It was was the darkest season of my life. Um, I was truly undergoing such spiritual warfare in that time. And my mind was just attacked all the time. The the question of, am I really valuable? Am I supposed to be here? My parents, who were such loving and supportive parents and present parents, um, did they really want me? That question just haunted me. And so um, it drove me to a point where Questioning the the meaning I held, questioning the the purpose I had on this earth, uh, to the point where I I, I didn't want to live anymore. The mental turmoil was was too much, um, and yeah. So there was there was one day where I just decided, you know, I'm going to take as many pills as possible and just see what happens. I, I don't want to live anymore. Um, I, I have I feel like I have no purpose. And th- that day I was I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and um, I, I had made the decision to to walk to the medicine cabinet and take those pills. And as I was pressing my feet against the floor to stand up and walk to the medicine cabinet, I heard a, just a still, small whisper, um, and, and it was the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and what I heard was, Jess, your parents may have said no to you, but I said yes, and you have a plan and a purpose for your life. Um, and those sentences from the Holy Spirit, just that still small voice, changed my life drastically. I went from one of the most depressed kids, fourteen, fifteen year old kids, to one filled with joy. And um, I've, I've dedicated my my life to knowing and serving Christ ever since.
0: Amen. Hey, Jess, you know, what would you say to a young woman who is in your mom's shoes and maybe considering an abortion, or quite frankly, you know, any woman? who finds herself in a crisis pregnancy. What would you say to them?
1: I would I would say that the number one thing is that you likely have these circling fears in your mind. Maybe those fears are are financially related. Uh, perhaps you're, you're scared about what your friends and family will think. Maybe it's relational. Uh, the, the number one thing I would say is that you will be OK. Um, my, my mom made the brave choice after walking out of that abortion clinic to say yes, to having her baby, and I'm so obviously so grateful that I get to breathe air and experience life and worship God for for that reason. And so, uh, my, my encouragement to you will just would just be to trust God. God sees you, He loves you, He wants to know you, and He will comfort you in this time. Uh, so choose life, and uh, you, you'll you'll have you'll have a child that that loves you so much for it. So.
0: Jess, thank you for coming on and speaking to us. We appreciate it. God bless you.
1: God bless you. Thank you very much.
0: Up next on EWTN News Nightly, love and loss. A Michigan couple tells us why they ignored advice to have an abortion for their conjoined twins with a fatal diagnosis. A couple from Michigan were overjoyed when they found out they were having not one, but two baby girls. And while they weren't expecting twins, Nicole and Austin LeBlanc felt doubly blessed. But when Nicole was 10 weeks pregnant, she learned the babies were conjoined and shared vital organs. Despite being pushed an abortion agenda, the LeBlancs chose life for their baby girls. On May 16th, Rachel Claire and Maria Therese were born and immediately baptized and confirmed and lived for about an hour before they passed away. And here with us now is Nicole and Austin LeBlanc to talk more about their baby girls and the importance of choosing life no matter what. Nicole and Austin, so good to be with you both again. The last time that we talked, that was back in April before the girls were born. Tell us what it was like to finally meet them, see them, hold them before they went back home to Christ our Lord and Our Lady. Nicole, I want to start with you.
5: Yeah, it was a beautiful experience to finally see my daughter's faces after eight months of carrying them, and to finally see what they look like. They're identical twins, but they both look so different and so distinguishable. Uh, so in the operating room, my mother was there, Austin, Father David Pelican, a photographer. It was a packed operating room in a secular hospital, and I had made a playlist of Gregorian chants. So I can fill that, um, that operating room with peacefulness. And uh, the very first song that we played was the Veni Creator Spiritus, invoking the Holy Spirit. Spirit to be there, uh, so it was beautiful. Uh, Maria uh, let out a big cry, she opened her eyes. Rachel was a little zoned out, but she did open her eyes too, and um, it was just so beautiful to see these these little babies that uh, were born at thirty two weeks and to still see how amazing that they were formed um, inside of me. And it was just so beautiful to, to finally see them and to hold them and love them and, and kiss them. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that with us. That's all so beautiful. And I know this was a
0: real test of your faith, and, and you both leaned into it a lot during that time, praying the rosary every day. Mm-hmm. Austin, talk to us more about that and how your faith continues to be a source of strength to you both.
5: Yeah, so we <coughs> excuse me.
4: So we uh, prayed the rosary every single day. Um, Every night, we prayed the rosary on the way to the hospital, right before the the operation. Um, And as the girls were born, we had the Litany of the Saints playing as well. Um, And it's just praying the rosary every single day and coming into the faith from being a convert really opened my eyes more to it of you need prayer life in your life. Otherwise, things are going to go down and you're not going to know where to turn to. Um, And during, especially during a situation like this with these girls, it was the biggest factor in our daily day life was just praying the rosary.
0: Yeah, so important. And Nicole, I know there was never any doubt in your mind that you wouldn't give birth to the babies, even though I know an abortion agenda was kind of floated out there by healthcare professionals. What would you say to other moms who may be facing a similar scenario and may not be as strong in their faith as you are? And maybe they're contemplating an abortion.
5: Yeah, well, in our eyes, conjoined twins in the secular mind may not be perfect, but in God's God's eyes, they're absolutely perfect, created in that way that they were supposed to be. God makes no mistakes. Humans do, but God makes no mistakes. And the doctors can tell you and scare you into having an abortion and trying to fear monger you. And if you don't have the support, of course, all these things are going to be incredibly difficult. But you still have to keep the faith and know that you are the mother. You have responsibility to your children right at the moment of conception, all the way until they're born, until they're little tiny toddlers, until they're teenagers. The same care applies throughout the whole board. You are a mother from that moment of conception. And I know that there's difficult diagnoses, way more difficult than mine even And even try to fear the mom, you know, give this uh, agenda that where the mom, her life could be at risk, how the doctors were telling me that my life is also at risk. And just to, um, again, hold on to the faith, hold on to... Um, the support that you have. And we live in a time of modern medicine, so it's not like we're barbarians here where there's a whole field of medicine dedicated to, to fetal um, you know, babies and operating on babies in the womb. So we you know, should be pretty confident that we have the f- things that you know, we need to, to help the babies. Yeah, and we have maybe about a minute left or so.
0: But before I let you both go, what else would you like folks to know about the girls and your experience? I mean, your story has
5: touched so many lives. Yeah, the the girls continue to touch so many lives, especially on social media. A lot of people were telling me, you know, thank you for sharing the story. My mind was completely changed after i heard your story and no longer think that abortion should be necessary in the case of fetal abnormalities and they're pro life 100% all the, all across the board so that was really beautiful to hear and i've been giving a lot of talks lately uh testimonies to different churches they're completely impacted i've never left the meeting where everyone isn't sobbing crying and it's like wow these girls Their lives are so short in our eyes, but have such a huge impact. So um, as being young parents, we definitely need to speak up of our stories that we have and to help others and be a support to others. Absolutely.
0: Nicole and Austin, thank you both so much for coming on again. We appreciate it and sharing all this with us. God bless you both.
5: Thank Thank you. God bless.
0: And a reminder, if you can't be in Washington, D.C. for the 51st March for Life on Friday, January 19th, you can watch it right here on EWTN. Coverage begins at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. We'll have reports, interviews, and coverage of the speakers and the rally. And for more information, be sure to check out our website, EWTN.com. Well, we thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. We leave you tonight with some of the highlights from last year's March for Life. Good night and God bless.
2: Welcome you all here in person for the 50th March for Life, the first post-Roe March for Life. That the young people of
4: America support life, defend life, are here to march for life. march March! March! and that's what this year's march is all about the next steps in a post row era
3: of believers God is love and true love gives way
4: to life